Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. My brand new book, Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth, is now available. So much more than a book, this is a guide that allows me to hold your hand through your birth preparation journey. With over a decade of experience and knowledge packed in to ensure you really are empowered in the way you deserve to achieve a positive birth, regardless of the twists and turns that crop up. Make sure that you get your hands on Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth Book now and are empowered to have the birth experience that you deserve. Hello, I am back with a third season. And wow, so much has changed since season two. Mainly in that I've been on my own journey through pregnancy and have joined this crazy, incredible club of motherhood. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Pip, a practicing NHS midwife and enthusiast of all things women's wellness. I have a somewhat relentless passion for ensuring women are empowered with real, honest and reliable information and support throughout their pregnancy. Because my goodness, pregnancy is such a powerful time in a woman's life that is often miraculous and challenging in equal measures. Over the upcoming weekly episodes, I am joined by many leading experts to bring you the evidence-based information and top tips to navigating your pregnancy and motherhood journey that you need to hear. Needless to say, I had my notebook at hand when recording this season, and I would recommend the same for you too. I hope you're ready for the giggles, knowledge bombs, and empowering chats to commence. But before I get quizzing our guests on this season, I have some questions for you. Have you found yourself with unanswered pregnancy questions? Have you been guilty of trying to navigate the rabbit warren of inaccurate information on the internet? Do you feel that extra support and guidance would be useful to you? If you answered yes to any of these, then fear not. My exclusive Your Pregnancy Journey course is for you. Spaces are limited, so if expert guidance through each stage of your pregnancy and birth preparation and a community support group with 24 access to asking questions sounds like it's for you, then head over to www.midwifepip.com now to check it out. And I look forward to getting to know you better and ensuring your pregnancy journey is the most empowering and positive it can be. You'll also find information all about my antenatal course options on my website. And any questions about choosing the right course for you, then please get in touch via the contact page. And I'll be there to help you navigate the right choice. 
For those who've been following me on social media, it will come as no surprise that I'm a huge advocate of exercise during pregnancy. The benefits are huge and it's an area I am super passionate about. But of course, we want to ensure exercise in pregnancy is done safely to support our bodies. With this in mind, you can be forgiven for ending up in a rabbit warren of frantic Googling when it comes to exercise in pregnancy and finding a confusing tangle of poor quality, outdated and inaccurate information. Unhelpful to say the least, but also super disempowering at a time when accurate information is imperative. I am really excited to put your questions to this week's podcast guest and dispel some of the myths and misconceptions around exercising during pregnancy and to explore the best way for us to navigate this precious time. I am joined by James Davis. This man has an extensive portfolio from a career in professional sport himself to working with elite athletes in the worlds of Premier League football, the Commonwealth and Olympic Games. But more recently, James has begun to focus on the historically neglected area of women in sport. He's qualified in pregnancy training and shares my relentless passion for empowering women to embrace healthy, active pregnancies safely. And on a personal note, James has been the voice and expertise behind my own pregnancy journey, allowing me to enjoy physical activity throughout. And I generally have had the positive, healthy pregnancy I dreamt of. A little bit of thanks must go to James for that. So welcome, James, and thanks so much for jumping on this week's episode. Hey, thank you very much. I'm excited to be on the other side, which is nice. So before we kick off, I've got to ask what's probably on the tongues of most of the women listening today, and that is that you have changed your career from professional athlete to pregnant women. I mean, what a journey since your sports science degree. What do you think has led you to become so interested in the subject of pregnancy exercise? Great question, Pip. And I suppose from the outside, those two categories seem worlds apart, but they are actually more similar than many people think. Athletes are performing highly skilled movements that are part of their sport. But guess what? So are every single one of us in our day-to-day lives. Let's think about that for a second. Carrying our shopping, tying your shoelaces, going out for a run, picking something up, standing up and sitting down. The list could go on. Believe it or not, all these movements are what I call fundamental movement skills. These are movements that every single one of us needs to perform day-to-day tasks from squats to lunges to deadlifts to pushing and pulling, but more on this later. If we think about an athlete with a specific competition in mind and a gold medal in mind too, or a pregnant woman, woman with a goal of birth, Arguably, there is no higher value than a new life at the end. We all know or have heard of the challenges faced with childbirth, either through a friend or family member, or even on the internet. The physical and mental challenges of birth could be, in someone's eyes, the hardest challenge of their life. I want you to pause and think about that for a moment. The hardest challenge of their life. If you Usain Bolt, for those that you don't know, the fastest sprinter on the planet, He trains for four years, along with many others, to run 9.58 seconds. But 
Think about that. What are pregnant women doing to prepare themselves for the most magical and empowering 10-month journey they will ever go on? From my evidence and research, not very much. (laughs) (laughs) Now, this could be due to a number of factors, but more evidently, a lack of knowledge from practitioners to give the right advice is at fault here. The very reason why, Pip, you set up your pregnancy journey to help support those women lacking that access to knowledge. Arguably, pregnant women need to become a 24-7 athlete. Again, I'm using the word athlete. This term I give to someone who needs a certain level of physical qualities to meet the demands of life, but has a full-time job, people to look after, have to cook for themselves, and many, many more other commitments, yet still need to perform at their best, whether that's to conceive, look after their child in the womb, or prepare for that big day. Think about your marathon training, Pip. You'd never have sat on the sofa for 10 months to prepare, and yet so many people, some professionals included, still view pregnancy in this way. And as you, most of these listeners will know, or are listening and probably answered yes to a number of those questions. So yes, you are a 24-7 athlete. Either way, both scenarios have a process to follow. A 10-month-ish journey, adapting and developing physical and psychological attributes to support a positive experience and outcome is a bare minimum a woman may get. Those of you who have already been working on this prior to conceiving, fantastic work. You're already at one step ahead. Utilizing this time efficiently and effectively to not just optimize the health of a mother, but also their developing child and actually the whole family's health for the future. And this is an incredible, incredible potential that I love. I love that, James. I love how you recognize the demands that are put on a pregnant woman, like her body is literally reconfiguring itself. All her organs are shifting, you know, her pelvis is increasing in mobility. Their whole system is completely transformed during pregnancy. And I think that really does become overlooked when we see sort of loads of pregnant women wandering down the streets or on media, and it's really normalized, which is fantastic, of course. But actually, we need to sort of take a step back and realize what's happening and what's changing in that woman's physiology and how powerful, therefore, the correct exercises can be in, in supporting that woman. And like you say, I totally echo birth being the biggest challenge as a marathon runner, James, as you mentioned. But actually, birth was the biggest marathon of my life. And I'm really pleased I went into it with that mindset that you'd help me to kind of prepare during pregnancy through physical activity. Because pregnancy and birth aren't just physical. They are massive psychological events as well. And and exercise, I think, is really, really important in supporting both those elements in, in a woman's wellness. So given how incredible it is, and I'm sure most women listening are now sold that exercise is obviously reaps loads and loads of benefits. But why do you think, despite that, so many women are so scared to exercise in pregnancy? Because even our leading bodies now are actively promoting a minimum of 150 minutes of moderate intensity exercise a week in pregnancy and promoting strength training as part of it. And that's always been a little bit of a taboo subject with women anyway, let alone in pregnancy. But why is there still so much fear out there? Yeah, great question. I think over the past few years, word is getting out there, but there is still a long way to go for sure. Professionals are often unsure about the correct advice to give pressure from family or friends with outdated views and the general confusion on the internet and the media often makes women feel that avoiding is safer than doing. 
and as, especially something that might potentially cause da damage, which it does, which it doesn't. So, I think that advice is all well and good, but has created a lot of problems and actually isn't factually true. And this, of course, is totally understandable, given how precious a pregnancy is, but it is also disempowering to women. So, hopefully, some of these myths we can dispel, um, such as running causing miscarriage needs busting. I think that's one of the biggest ones. And you know, as a midwife, Pip, that there are really a very few conditions or circumstances in pregnancy whereby women will be advised to avoid exercise. Absolutely. And that is one of the biggest annoyances when it comes to myths for me, James. So I'm pleased that you kicked off busting that one, that we know that exercise doesn't cause miscarriage. And that's one thing I know women will quite often say, oh, I haven't done any exercise in my first trimester because I'm so scared of it causing a miscarriage, but we know that that's not true. And it's important we get that message out there. Um, so yeah, please that you busted that one. That's awesome. Yeah, I think, you know, if you even search for pregnancy exercise images on the internet, you generally see a couple of things with little variation and that's sat on a ball, gym ball, Swiss ball, or whatever you like to call it, doing some very basic yoga or going for a gentle walk. Now they're all remedial exercises, you know, actually, cause very little stress on the body but if it causes very little stress is it going to create any adaptation to make you more efficient during that birth period i'm not saying that there is anything wrong with these forms of exercise but if that is all we see and these are all unlikely to hit that moderate intensity bracket recommended by the government then women feel anything more than this is not appropriate and if we don't challenge ourselves we're not going to change ourselves and it's not challenging ourselves to the nth degree where um you know we put our undue stress it's working within that moderate moderate intensity bracket i find um, that hilarious as well when you think about those exercises like you mentioned james because once you're postpartum right you're you're navigating sleep deprivation and birth recovery but you're also caring for a new baby that is an ever-growing dumbbell essentially that you're going to be doing squats to pick up from the floor you're going to be lunging to pick things up you're going to be carrying you know, car seats, which are really poorly designed in one arm. So you're doing all these exercises that with, with a growing weight post birth that you've just been told to avoid for 10 months. I mean, that has to be the most unhelpful advice ever. Most definitely. And, you know, if you look at birth itself is if you look at that from a, a training and a holistic element, then you're looking at isometric work. So that woman in labor is working through an isometric type component and she needs to push and engage and that effort and, and intensity is extremely high so if all we've done is remedial work bouncing on a Swiss ball you know just doing really low level yoga then how is that going to meet the demands and intensity of a prolonged period it, it could be an extended birth period or it could be a short period but how is the body going to be able to go through that stress and endure that sort of level of it is exercise, you know, pushing is still exercise. So how are they going to endure that over, over a prolonged period of time? And, and the research shown in terms of moderate intensity um, is there for a reason to help support the women on, on that journey. Oh, 100%. And one of the things I really enjoyed when in my pregnancy was really reframing my mind. So I wasn't thinking anymore about achieving those kind of PBs that I would have had in mind pre-pregnancy. But instead, thinking about my goals in a completely different way. And like you say, matching what I was going to need to support a physiological birth. 
and also that kind of postpartum journey that we kind of touched on and the demands of that. So pushing your body, but in a completely different way with completely different goals. And that's where I think training with support is really quite invaluable in, in this stage. Yeah, and I think you, you speak about the postpartum journey. You think after a marathon, those that have trained pretty hard will still be sore the next day, but will probably recover a lot better than those that haven't. So if you think about life, after birth as we've just gone through and I think it's really important that we consider actually the healthier we are going into the birth the quicker that the recovery it's not that we rush the recovery periods the quicker the recovery so so we can return back to full function and meet the demands of life yeah I, to- I totally agree 100% um and I think you know the psychological side and the physical side are one of the biggest challenges women We'll go through people we, you know we've been using the marathon run or usain bolt as examples but in reality <laughs> birth you know is probably one of the biggest challenges a woman would ever go through in their in their life and so why shouldn't we support them to feel the most strong and capable in preparation for this women definitely deserve much better information and support than there is currently readily available and you know this is one of the reasons we set up your pregnancy journey and your pregnancy journey fitness to give these women honest and real advice and direction that will physiologically have a huge benefit on their pregnancy journey and beyond. 100%. I love that. Women should feel they're most strong and capable in preparation for birth. I mean, I am going to cheerlead that 100%. That's awesome. And I know throughout my pregnancy, every time I was doing exercise, I was like, yes, pregnant and powerful. You know, we don't need to be made to feel these weak, vulnerable people at a time where we need to feel our most incredible when we're about to undertake these challenges. So I love that aspect. Physiolog- that, um, sorry, psychological aspect of exercise is so, so important at this time. So what is different then, James, in terms of exercising during pregnancy than kind of other times in our lives? What do we need to consider differently? I think first up, it's important women know that every even if they haven't exercised in the past, they can safely start in pregnancy. They'll just need to start at a level right for them, and progress gradually, similar to that of a marathon runner or marathon training. Um, not many people are marathon ready 365 days of the year. Plus, this journey tends to be unique um, to most first-time mums. So following an appropriate periodized plan could have so many benefits. So um, just a bit of clarity on that. So, you know, you might be planning to be pregnant, uh, which is amazing. You've got a plan in place. But if you fall pregnant um, without prior notice, is how can you put yourself in a position over the sort of nine, ten-month journey? Or maybe a little bit less if you found out a little bit later down the line to be in good physical state by the time of your birth to to put you in the best position um, and make use of all the amazing benefits that exercise brings to you as pregnant women. Um, And I think every woman and pregnancy is unique. So it's important that the women know there'll be one, no, um, there'll be uh, not one size fits all. uh, And that's absolutely fine. Just because a friend or neighbor was doing one thing that may not be what is right for you. And, you you know, women do seem to love to compare with each other, but it's important we recognize different, different goals in pregnancy. And, you know, again, that the sporting example is really nice is 9.58 seconds for 100 meters, like, people wouldn't even dream of doing that. So is actually they can run 100 meters? Yes, but actually time becomes redundant. And it should be the same with training. Let's not be competitive with training. Let's push ourselves and exert ourselves to, to, to ability that 
you feel comfortable with because the psychological and physiological benefits need to sort of be there in harmony and to, to sort of feel that feel the overall benefits um and it's important that you know the recognition of the pregnant body is usually different to the non-pregnant body and it's literally changing every single day so we need to understand and adapt and respond to this um you know from the hormone hormonal changes means perhaps the joints and ligaments have additional mobility a growing bump causes a shift in posture you know pelvic floor health is often compromised and we we, we hear a lot about pelvic floor and you know women work hard on that um but you know with that and if we neglect those areas as a whole our body as a mechanism doesn't work and function as it should so it's really important that we work on them to sort of avoid any symptoms and risks such as pelvic pain back pain or you know even injury um so you know this is why it's important working on specialist exercises and um different sessions that are specific to pregnant women um, and that really focus on functional movements the things that we do in everyday life without realizing and the movements we will be doing in the postpartum um, the aim of this is to help to to move better correct imbalances and weaknesses that will likely lead to injury or discomfort as pregnancy progresses and they will help to optimize the postpartum recovery too and you know all too well, people put their hands in the pocket and, and go and see a, a physiotherapist, but that's too late. It's, you know, that prevention is, is better than, than a cure. So it's important yeah. that we understand that. Absolutely. And I saw a quote like a few weeks ago, it might have even been on like social media, but it said something along the lines, this probably isn't word perfect, but um, something along the lines of if we don't make time for our sort of self-care or our well-being now, then we're going to have to make time for injury and illness later on. And that really rung true with me because I think, like you say, actually investing in that preventative measures is going to mean that we haven't got to invest time in problems later down the line. And especially when our bodies are more compromised in pregnancy and the postpartum, having put that investment in is only going to save us more time with kind of the duress of injury and pain and all of that rubbish stuff that we want to avoid later down the line. Yeah, I think that's really good. And that sort of reminisces well with sort of my philosophy and, you know, a great quote by Kelly Starrett is, you know, every, every human being should be able to perform basic maintenance on themselves. So we can brush our hair, wash our body, you know, brush our teeth. But, you know, if we've got lower back pain, shoulder pain, neck pain, we haven't got the tools and education to be able to correct those. So, you know, as you've seen with my professional working career, you know, from professional athletes, you know, to pregnant women and working within, you know, more youth level sports now is to give them the ammunition and tools to be able to go, actually, if, if these problems are arising, how are they corrected? And, you know, that, that's perhaps a failing of the school system um, early, uh, early on. But, you know, from a physio aspect, again, I think there's, there's that that middle part, which us definitely in the UK are, are pretty poor at is in terms of bridging the gap between, you know, what's physio and something in between. And that comes from, you know, the strength and conditioning, the, 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 the human performance side to go, how do we look after our body and prepare it for day-to-day -day life? And if we think about a squat, there's loads of variations of this movement. And we do the simplest version every day think about getting on and off a chair, getting off, getting onto the toilet and off again, 
And if we can't perform this correctly, we put strain through vulnerable areas like our backs and knees. Um, ironically, some of the most common areas women experience pain or discomfort, you know, and if, if we're doing this cycle thousands of times a week and we're doing it wrong or we're not strong, then it's our system is going to break down and, and make changes. And that's only going to be amplified when the growing weight of our bump causes a shift in posture, you know, and then causes havoc to the hip and pelvic and back area so you know how can we implement corrective strategies to help um resolve some of these changes that are happening and you know that, that there's not a magic pill unfortunately it's you know the women have to put in the work um and it's not gonna get a massage it's not i'm gonna go see a physio it's actually that, that there, if there's a set program that could be beneficial to that individual at that time that they can make those changes under the right guidance. And I think, you know, that's perhaps a misconception. My hip is sore. Let's leave it to rest where in reality, you probably need to strengthen that hip. Yeah, that's a really useful shift in mindset, I think. And I, I wonder whether perhaps in a world that has become quite medicalized, and I'm not just talking about pregnancy and birth, but just, I think in general, we've kind of got this feeling sometimes in our minds, if something goes wrong, we expect like a quick fix. And we're not very good at actually thinking, okay, I need to take ownership of this and I need to put the work in to correct it. And I think actually, if we could all get into that latter mindset in pregnancy, we'd probably see women get through pregnancies a lot more comfortable and with a lot less of those common kind of back and pelvic pains, et cetera, that, that we see so, so often. Yeah. And I think, think you know, if, if someone wants to get pregnant, they have to invest into that process. You, you, you're not, I'm pregnant. You give birth the day after. There's no instant result there. It's like there's a journey and it should be the same with your body is, you know, it's going to, you're going to take, you know, six to 12 weeks to make some sort of physiological change. If anyone's selling, it's going to be a week to two weeks, they're lying. So it's really important that they become invested in that journey, um, you know, in, into sort of, the depths of pregnancy when you know those things are amplified like the size and things so can you lay a foundation you wouldn't put a roof on a house you would put the foundation you build the walls and then the roof and then the, the interior and things are the last things to be added and that's all we're trying to do at that last stage of pregnancy is really fine-tune those little areas that are starting to flare up and starting to become problematic and how can we how can we add some things that have been successful in in the early stages of, of pregnancy to help alleviate some of those pains and perhaps they don't alleviate some of those pains but actually it's you should be in a better mental mindset to deal with those problems than if you were not to do anything and just sit on the couch for the whole of the entirety of your pregnancy yeah absolutely and actually there's a an earlier episode on the podcast where Claire Bourne joins me and we discuss similarly to what you just alluded to actually James about that connection between the physical um, display that we feel in, with pain and the psychological element and actually how how maybe some pain is connected to our psychology and our mental well-being and exercise can play a massive part in boosting our mental wellness and therefore mitigating or like you say helping us to cope and manage with any ailments or discomfort or pain that that might crop up and they're just so linked and I think we're probably only in terms of the current health research starting to scratch the surface on the links between physical and mental health and I think exercise is definitely going to be one of those key links it'll be interesting to see what what kind of comes out over the years to come with regards to that I think 
Now, are there any absolute no-goes when it comes to pregnancy exercise, kind of things that are almost in that little blacklist book that we should completely avoid? Yeah, I think it's one of those questions that we hear and people tend to really focus on, um, yet I think is a negative way to look at it and go, what are the no-goes is actually what can we do? And there's an endless amount of exercises we can do. But but for the listeners, uh, there are a few, and I really do mean a few. Um, so you should avoid high altitude sports or sports with the risk of falling or bumping your bumps, such as rugby, martial arts, and anything um, similar to that. Anything that's too hot, that risks your core temperature rising too high. So saunas, hot yoga, for example, are some good examples. In your second or third trimester, you should avoid lying flat on your back for prolonged periods of time. So that doesn't mean you can't do it at all. Just be mindful of some of the sensations you may start to get if spending prolonged periods doing it. Um, but the best bet and the best advice I can give to people is to work with a qualified practitioner who is an expert in this area. I know I said there weren't many at the start, so now may be a good time to check out midwifepit.com and see how <laughs> we can support you on your pregnancy and postpartum journey not thanks for my little promo there always appreciate it <laughs> thanks very much <laughs> but i think yeah that fear of the fear of exercise and the fear of oh, i can't do something let, let, let's be positive don't be fearful let's be positive and let's focus on the things we can do and the things that we can't do actually aren't too beneficial in terms of during pregnancy anyway and especially from an exercise selection point there's millions of exercises we can work around to, to benefit that individual anyway definitely and as a woman with lots of female friends I'll be honest I don't think any of them do things like um high altitude sports or skydiving or tend to spend most of their weeks doing hot yoga anyway so the things that we're avoiding we probably haven't ever done just not a time to start experimenting with them. So you're actually probably not missing out on anything, which is always good news. Now, one of the questions I got pretty much every hour of my pregnancy, whenever I posted anything on social media about exercising in pregnancy, or even now a question that comes in all the time. So I need to put it to you. And that is about heart rate monitoring. And what is a safe intensity to work at? So what is your take on this? Personally, I find it just too much maths. And actually, if I'm constantly concentrating on what my heart rate is and whether my, you know, my strap's picking up accurately, I just wouldn't even enjoy what I'm doing. Um, so it was something that I personally didn't, didn't do. But what, what's the evidence? What's your advice? I think the fitness world has gone a bit stir crazy <laughs> with all the technology that is out there now. I think many people have become over reliant on a technology to give us answers and you know because they've seen an advert or social media has advertised something then you know it's the right thing to do but we most definitely don't advocate any type of heart rate monitoring during pregnancy this is a definitely a no-go with the amount of physical changes that you happen in order to support the growing fetus we've got changes in blood volume heart rate and cardiac output along with a number of other changes so your heart rate may not increase in the same way it did before you were pregnant not to mention the pro to proper analyze effort levels and intensities on a heart rate monitor requires a lot of time and effort to get a true training zone for that specific individual so uh, my advice on that is leave heart rate data to the pro athletes on this occasion um, but in terms of a solution and a good guide is to monitor your perceived effort level. So if you look at the, the national guidelines in terms of moderate, intens moderate intensity, 
let's think about 10 being your hardest effort you've ever done and one just being rest pretty chilled out so moderate intensity we're looking around seven or eight so it's a really good measure to sort of feel and understand how you're working so day to day you may feel this change but as a measurement this takes into consideration your physiological and psychological stress and it will give you a rough guide of where to push yourself to but doesn't mean you need to train that high every session it's just a threshold to work within and it's on your judgment um everyone's going to be slightly different and you know is it too much is it too little well you know uh, how do you work that out i think you know a guide might be if you're struggling to talk do an exercise and but you can still talk then it's there or thereabouts if you can't talk at all you've probably pushed beyond that moderate intensity so it's just it's a basic way and a basic understanding um, of where to push yourself to. But again, just go on how you feel. You might be trying to do moderate intensity, but don't feel great. Or you're doing moderate intensity and feel absolutely amazing. It's just there as a guide to sort of make sure, you know, uh, you don't overdo it. And a sort of as a self-assessment tool to, to give you a range um, for each of your training sessions. Yeah, 100%. I'm so pleased you said that. So I can rest assured that I was doing the right thing, which is handy. Um, I wasn't just being lazy with my math skills. But also, I think in pregnancy, and this is certainly something I found in myself, and I know loads of women that I've looked after have felt the same way. And that is that one day really does feel different to another day. So like you alluded to there, actually, one day you feel like you're absolutely smashing a certain exercise or workout. The next day, a walk around the block is enough. And I think it's okay in pregnancy to say, actually, that's all right. We're going to just take take note, listen to our body. And I certainly found some days, especially I was really keen to keep running as far into my pregnancy as I could. And I'd always have these little little days where running just didn't feel good and I'd stop and walk. And then I'd feel this like almost like cross with my body or like, that was it now. I can't run ever again in pregnancy. That's it. That was my last run. I'm done. And then the next day I feel great and smash my run. And actually, I think it's okay just to recognize that every day is going to be different. Our body is changing every single day. We're affected by so many external factors like our sleep quality, our nutrition, our hydration, our stress. Um, And so don't feel disheartened just because one workout didn't quite go to plan because that is one in a week or or a 10-month journey. It's not going to have the big impact that it might feel like it does at that time. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people utilize and look at running or cardiovascular work as intensity, but I think a lot, a lot of females, especially with media and things and that misconception around strength training is actually the, the benefits of strength training and moving effectively. And I don't mean going to the gym. There's a lot of like um, um, preventative type work we can do. There's some prehab work that we can do and, and, and do from our own home to look after our body and we say 150 minutes of moderate intensity. Now you could break that session up throughout the day. If you can't manage 30 minutes, I know in first trimester, if you're struggling with you know, morning sickness and things like that, and it, it's not just morning sickness, it's throughout the day. So it's actually, let's pick a time where I don't feel too bad. I can, I can fit in 10 minutes here. I can do 10 minutes in the afternoon, but it's specifically designed for that individual to go, right. How do we build that foundation? How do we stress the body enough without, pushing it overboard to make that person feel horrendous and you know just just for it to be beneficial and positive and I think the pressure of running if you you don't want to run absolutely fine if you do amazing loads of benefits of getting out but can you go for a walk can you go for a 
30 minute walk, but can it be an hour walk? So you drive, if intensity isn't there, you can drive up the amount of time you're doing it, which will drive up the changes that you make. So just don't focus on moderate intensity if on one day, but actually you can double the time you're doing something at a lower intensity if that's what you feel like. So don't use that as a cap 150 minutes and I must stop. Um, you work within a, a limit that you feel comfortable with. Yeah, definitely. I think sometimes we forget that walking is actually an awesome, really accessible form of exercise that we can all do. And I know some of the ways that I've enjoyed making walks a little bit more intensive is things like walking out for, say, 20 minutes and then walking back, but trying to get it in 18 minutes, like those little mini challenges that just push the intensity or doing a walk the opposite way around. So you walk up the hills rather than down the hills. Simple little changes like that that can just push your body when you feel like you can. And one of the things that I know is a barrier to so many women embracing exercise in pregnancy, especially those early weeks, is fatigue and tiredness. And I always say that exercise is so brilliant for boosting all your natural happy hormones and your endorphins and actually making you feel better. And you very rarely regret an exercise or a workout routine that you did. You usually just regret the ones that you didn't do. So even if it is like, you know, 10 minutes of getting fresh air, like fresh air is so good for us, for our physical and mental wellness. So just embracing those little snippets, like you said, 10 minutes a day, if that's all you can sort of muster up the energy for that day or a little walk around the block, but doing something, even when you do feel that, that first trimester or third trimester fatigue will actually make you feel so much better. So that's kind of a top tip from me, I suppose, which was a bit sneaky because I might have stolen one of yours. But I always ask um, for three top tips to anyone who comes on the podcast. You haven't escaped, so I am throwing you on the spot like many other guests. So I wonder if you could share your three top tips to expectant mums out there around anything to do with their pregnancy exercise. Fire away. I like working in threes, so um, oh, good. <laughs> I think I've got them. I think for me is get the right support and help early. This is really important as, you know, as we spoke about before is prevention is better than a cure. But, you know, when trying to select that support, really look into someone's background and experience. I think many personal trainers have only done a couple of weeks training and may not have the enough, enough independent and knowledge to give you the support you need. Um, just remember your body is with you for life. So find someone that has a very good understanding and knowledge that is relevant to you. Um, that'd yeah, be my point one. Oh, sorry, Jane. That's a really good one because I think, you know, to all those personal trainers out there, not meant in any way to be, you know, critical or, or a kind of dig or something negative, but because their hearts are a hundred percent in the right place, you know, they want to support these women as much as you or I to embrace exercise. But like you say, pregnancy is a really different time to any other time in a woman's life. So that's when that specialism really, really is important. So checking those credentials is, yeah, I love that tip. That's so, so important. Brilliant. And tip two, uh, exercise can be anything. I think we spoke quite a bit like throughout the last half an hour about different things, but don't be that person that just sits on the sofa you know, try and keep yourself busy, go out for a walk, do little 15 minute sessions once or twice a day, rather than that one long session, set a target, can you do 10,000 steps a day, park a little bit further away at work, you know, just, just stay active. Um, and you, you, you're going to enjoy and embrace your pregnancy a, a lot better. Um, and I, I, you know, we can, we can talk about running, cycling, all these things, but just do something, but just mm -hmm. The one thing you don't do, just sit still and do nothing. I think that's really important. 
Just move your body. <laughs> Whatever way it, feels exactly. good, just move. Yeah, so that was my, uh, my point two. And then my point three, and a little plug here, you know, we, we spent the last sort of three seasons putting in a lot of work, but invest in your pregnancy journey and work with midwife Pip. I wanted to get this one on here. Um, <laughs> we have spent the last three seasons, seasons giving and sharing advice from other people. But let's be honest, the full-time delivery suite sis, midwife sister, podcaster, publisher, researcher, business owner, wife, and an amazing mum to our son with an immense amount of knowledge, knowledge and willingness to help other parents. Working with Midwife Pip will solve a lot of your stresses and concerns and is your one-stop shop to everything pregnancy and birth. So I think, you know, that is my last tip because it makes things so much easier. Um, and, you know, my joined up approach and my philosophy is built upon a lot of things I've learned from from Pip. So look, it, you know, she's living and breathing proof of everything we talk about and do and, you know, running to the, the, the day before giving birth and swimming on the day of, you know, it's, it's all these things that we, we sort of preach and Pip's living proof that actually, if, if, if we do those things, then hopefully magical things can happen. We're not saying they happen every time, but you know, all the research, everything that's out there, Pip's gone and done. And, you know, we, we've, welcomed a lovely healthy baby in, into this world and you know credit to pip because pips had to do that as you know for all those things she's been doing in the background yet she's had to action them and do them all and yeah we're i'm a very proud husband as you probably can tell <laughs> i don't think i've ever been made to blush on my own podcast before can we cut that bit or is that is that saying no that's really lovely um so yeah, I'm I'm obviously grateful for for the fact that I had such a positive pregnancy, and it's and it's hilarious because whenever James and I have friends around and they say, you know, how was it, Pip? You know, how was pregnancy? How was birth? And I'm like, honestly, awesome. I can't wait to do it again. I felt the strongest and most empowered that I ever have in my life, and the whole purpose really of your pregnancy journey and your pregnancy fitness is to make sure other women feel that way because I have felt firsthand how incredible that is, and we want to just spread that far and wide but of course if anyone's got any questions about any of what we've spoken about today or about the courses that we've just mentioned there please drop me a line get in touch with me um, you can find my contact page on the website or or contact James and we'll be more than happy to help you kind of navigate the options and see what might be the right fit for you but hopefully today has inspired lots of women to embrace exercise and specific exercise for pregnancy so that they can have as strong, healthy, and positive journeys as I was fortunate to, and as all women should have. So yeah, big thanks for coming on today, James. I have saved a few dirty nappies for you, so you better go and do those Thank now. you so much for <laughs> listening to this week's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you found it helpful, then please hit subscribe and leave a review. It really does make a huge difference to the number of women I can reach out to and empower with this information. For more daily free information, inspiration, or details on my bespoke antenatal education courses or your pregnancy journey course, then head over to my website, www.midwifepip.com and check out my Instagram page at midwife underscore pip. Thank you and see you next time.
Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.